1: You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. You're
2: listening to the Archaeology Show. TAS goes behind the headlines to bring you the real stories about archaeology and the history around us. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Archaeology Show, episode 244.
2: On today's show, we rewrite history three times in three different places.
1: Let's dig a little deeper and keep rewriting those textbooks <laughs> and these podcasts. <laughs> Welcome to the Archaeology Show. Over there is Rachel. And over there is Chris. Hey! That's the <laughs> dumbest thing I've ever done.
2: That's the worst intro ever. We're never doing that again.
1: <laughs> oh my God. Hold on a so we're rewriting human history today. Oh, are which we? Is, which is our favorite thing to do in articles. <laughs> so
2: excited!
1: Yeah. The fact that I could find at least two articles that literally had that in the headline within a few weeks of each other. Like
2: exactly those words yeah. rewriting human history. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That that's not a little bit stupid.
2: Yeah. And so. I'm guessing everybody can guess what one of these topics is going to be because it has been Maybe. all over
1: everywhere. Yeah. All right. So the first one, at least one of the articles we found uh, is titled a prehistoric pyramid may have just rewritten human history. And let me start by saying Human history, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there, at least two of these take one site in one tiny corner of the world and rewrite all of human history. It's
2: a bold claim.
1: Like, that's a lot of humans. It's a lot of humans. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you writing all the history? Why not just, like, the history of that area? Right. You know, now, this particular one is pushing back or attempting to push back something that is, quote, one of the oldest dot, 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 right? So, I guess yeah. in that sense, you're you're putting a period on humans and you're saying, hey, Humans have done this a long time ago, even though it was just right here. Right. right. So if it's the oldest thing, then I'll, I'll give them that. But it's probably not.
2: Right. So apparently the existence of a pyramid older than the Egyptian pyramids means human history needs to be totally rewritten. Yeah.
1: In this particular case. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the pyramid we're talking about here is Gunung Padang in Indonesia, which you may remember is episode one of the ancient apocalypse show by Graham hancock that aired on netflix about a year ago and there's new research out and and first off graham hancock tweeted out or xed out or or or,
2: yeah yeah, what do you call them now
1: uh, they're still tweets right (laughs) he out
0: he
1: he wrote a musk (laughs) yeah he must that uh he musked that this uh, this pyramid. Well, he first he, he mentioned the pyramid. He said, "Hey, this was episode one of my show." Yeah. And the archaeology mafia didn't like it, and and then he said, "Now he feels vindicated." Yeah. And, and posted an article from Science Alert. Yeah. Yeah. Now this article is from. Well, Science Alert mentioned an article that was in a journal called Archaeological Perspection, which is just like a small peer-reviewed journal. Yeah, scientific publications. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. Whatever. Yeah. Nothing about that journal. Yeah. Except for that they let this article through. Yes. Without really solid peer review, it seems like. But right. Anyway, this is from a geologist over in Indonesia and his team, and they've basically come out and saying that this pyramid, based on some of the dates they took from primarily radiocarbon dating, is at least 16,000 years old, which is 10,000 years older than the oldest pyramid in the world, which is is allegedly the Pyramid of Dozier in Egypt.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're even saying that it could be up to 27,000 years old based on... Yeah. So they're really putting big dates out there.
1: Right. They've got different phases of building. Yeah. Right? And the, uh, the prehistoric portion of it in their quote says, sheds light on the engineering capabilities of ancient civilizations during the Paleolithic era, or what's known as the Stone Age. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a, Graham Hancock's entire ancient apocalypse show was... Oddly enough, not about aliens, but about an an advanced civilization that is now gone, mm-hmm. Like that, that rose up and is somehow gone now, which yeah. I guess, you know, technically you can't rule it out 100%, but you can't rule it in unless you find evidence. And the only evidence yeah. he has... Is things like this that say, well, the people twenty six thousand years ago didn't have the technology to build something like this. And therefore, dot 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 somebody else did. Yeah. And they left literally no evidence otherwise of their own presence. Yeah.
2: yeah. And like this is a lot of like reaching too. It's like it's oh, like yeah. taking a hypothesis and trying to force the evidence to fit what you want it to be. Yeah. The actual pyramid is really a pyramid-shaped mound of terraced earth that has shaped stone on it. And it was built on top of an extinct volcano. Right. And we know that it's old. Most estimates put it at just under 2000 years old. It might be one of the oldest examples of this type of structure on a hill in Indonesia. So that makes it a really important and significant archaeological site. But what they're trying to do, these researchers, is make bigger, grander claims about it and also Mm -hmm. bring in the geology of the hill and claim that the geology, the shape of it, the, the, the on it, the natural terracing is not natural. is not natural. It was yeah. built by man. And yeah. that's where the problem comes in. Yeah.
1: You know, and even the thing is, let's say people, cause there are definitely people in this area 26,000 years ago. I mean, that's sure. not, it's not a joke. Yeah. That's actual real things. It's not like saying 26,000 years ago in Northern hemisphere of the United States, you know, or sorry, mm-hmm. of North America. Because that's subject to some debate. That's, there's still a lot of right? conversation there. Yeah. But in Indonesia, I mean, we have existence of Java man yeah. came from Indonesia. It did. Yeah. You know, dating back a few hundred thousand years. Yes. Right. So we know that people have been there for an incredibly long period of time. Yeah. They've been living there, dying there, making civilization there and doing all their things. So mm-hmm. it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could have built some mound-like structures, you know, put put up some dirt together and, and done some things. Sure. Go ahead. Why not? Yeah. I just we we just don't think the evidence is really there and that really there was some some solid prehistoric structures, maybe a few thousand years old, built on top of this natural formation yeah. that maybe could have been terraced or shaped or something like that, but mm-hmm. but almost certainly wasn't built. Yeah. Right.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: So yeah, this Indonesian geologist, Danny Hillman Nadawaja, Nadawija?
2: Nadawijaja?
1: Natawajaja. I don't know.
2: So another place to get some good information about this is the Pseudo-Archeology span podcast that oh, yeah. Dr. Andrew Kinkala did, and we'll link to that in the show notes. But he went over this in depth as well, and he pronounced it Nada- not a widjaja. So let's go with that. <laughs> yes. And
1: he is a doctor. So he is a doctor.
2: So you must he believe is, everything he says.
1: He is an archaeologist of note <laughs> and part of the mafia.
2: And actually, I'm totally joking because you should definitely not always believe people because they have credentials in front of their, <laughs> their name. Although Andrew's pretty good. Yeah. But yeah. So this Danny fellow he's an he (laughs) i'm sorry i'm just
1: so
2: i'm so skeptical of him he's he is a native person indonesian person you know so i always want to like when you have somebody who is native to the area you always want to take in their views Mm -hmm. because sometimes they have a a bigger knowledge that people coming in to do the work don't have like like native americans just have a more interesting perspective on archaeology in this country than white archaeologists do. Mm-hmm. It's just true. But you do have to draw a line somewhere between what is like fiction and what is right. fact and what is maybe like a little bit of nationalist pride here too. Like it seems like yeah. he kind of just wants Indonesia to like have this crazy old pyramid and look what he did. He made a huge splash with this article. So, I mean, I guess he's getting what he wants in that respect.
1: It's like a uh, Pilldown man in England. The people, yes. the perpetrators of that, uh, or at least it's estimated, because I don't think the actual person who put it together was ever found, mm-hmm. but it was speculated that they wanted to put England on the map as the birthplace of humanity and all of civilization, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's England. It's like
2: that nationalist pride yeah. thing. So, but nationalism is well, a really dangerous thing. It's, I mean, yes. not to go into that too much, but really like the whole thing is, it's just a really dangerous, yeah, yeah. anyway.
1: Well, one of the things here from their article. First off, the author says that it proves the prehistoric age was not primitive. Again, one thing does not prove that, even if this was all true. And
2: also primitive is relative. Like we know that prehistoric peoples were doing some amazing things. So like, okay. Anyway. Yeah. yeah.
1: The article specifically states that the oldest part of the quote pyramid are 27,000 to 16,000 years old based on a number of tests, including electrical resistivity tomography. That's mapping using electrical resistivity, ground penetrating radar, seismic tomography, another mapping technique, and more sampling and others. And they did some radiocarbon dating and stuff as well. Mm -hmm. We're not refuting really any of that. No. Like what they tested. You know, those tests do show things that are that old and, mm-hmm. and can map things that old. We're just not saying what they actually mapped and tested and saw was actually created by humans. Yeah. Like the, like the jury's still out on that. The
2: geology is good, right? Like they yeah. tested all these geological things and found, made these conclusions and that's, mm-hmm. that's all good. But like if you don't have evidence that people were doing things with the things that you're dating. Yeah. And I guess we can kind of get into that a little bit now because one of the things they're saying is that the reason we can say that there was human activity is because of the the building that they did and the terracing. It's just that most archaeologists have looked at that and said well it just could be natural the way that that happened. Yeah. And also there's supposedly like tunnels and caves underneath the hill that they found evidence of using these various techniques. Mm-hmm. But this is like a volcanic Lava tube situation, right? Like where you have these natural holes under the ground yeah. that don't mean man-made caves. They just mean volcanic tubes right. and craters or whatever.
1: Yeah. And the thing that gets me too is the lowest part and the oldest part that they're called unit three, which was actually exposed by a little bit of a landslide. And, and they can see that. They say it was constructed during the time frame of 25,000 to 14,000 years. I mean, what kind of coordinated effort could work over the span of 11,000 years? Yeah, that is so long. That is a long time. I mean, they they were hard-pressed to build a pyramid in a couple generations, right? I mean, like in Egypt, I mean. Yeah, yeah. But here... I mean, how, how can you get people to just continuously construct this thing? And if they were so advanced, why did it take 11,000 years to build a hill?
2: Yeah. You like know what I mean? Civilizations like, just do not last for that long. Like they Cahokia just did
1: it in the span of a generation again, too. Yeah. And, and Cahokia in the United States here, massive mound, definitely yeah. man-made, huge pyramidal structure. Yeah. And nobody refutes that. And and yet, you know, while it was difficult to build, it didn't take eleven thousand years. No,
2: it didn't. So that yeah. that's so, definitely suspect immediately. Yeah,
1: and then there was a hiatus apparently for about six thousand, seven thousand years, and then Unit Three was um, buried around after that, uh, around seventy nine hundred to sixty one hundred BCE. Mm-hmm. And then a few thousand years later, six thousand to fifty five hundred, Unit Two was built again. This construction time frame just makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, and then there was another 3000 year hiatus and then another construction phase and unit two was actually excavated and then filled between 1393 and 1499. Wait, so they BC. were doing
2: archeological work on their own. Well, like
1: that doesn't mean archeological. <laughs> I know. I'm it joking. Just dug out. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. And reutilized. Yeah. Now that I believe.
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, we saw evidence of that in, in yeah. the Parthenon, right. Where they were burying sure. and unburying things all the time. Yeah. There, so, yeah
1: and maybe those guys visited Greece and saw the Parthenon and were like, "Hey, that looks like a good idea." <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So anyway, it just means that someone had advanced construction techniques before agriculture was adopted is what they're trying to say. That's what they're trying you to know, say. that's yeah. what they're trying to say. Yeah. But again, there's there's no other evidence of yeah. that. You know, and why didn't they leave something else around? Why if they if they had these advanced construction techniques and and stone carving and stuff like that, Like, where's the rest of their stuff? Yeah. You know, it wasn't all wood and fabric. Where's the rest of their stuff?
2: It's interesting you say that. In the Hot Cup of Joe article that we're going to link to, he uh, talks about the one artifact that they do report on, and they call it an amulet, right? It's like Mm -hmm. this round thing, and you can see some, like, sort of wavy shapes on it, right? Yeah. And they call it an amulet. Well, researchers around the world (laughs) who've been given access to this have looked at that and said... No, 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 no. That's a coin. It's Mm -hmm. a coin that was made between 1914 and 1945. (laughs) Here's one in perfect condition. And they even have, he's even got this little like map thing, like lining up the points where it matches. And you can see that the design on this supposedly, I think he said like 20 something thousand year old amulet is actually just this coin. So the one it's again it's it's going into this having a hypothesis a view what you want this to be finding something that is legitimately old i mean it's at least 50 years old if not 100 right and deciding that that fits your many 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 more thousands of years older idea and just like forcing it into that into that box and that's the problem with this research and this study for sure Mm -hmm.
1: yeah the only thing they really dated was some charcoal stuff from carbon-14 dating. Yeah. And again, not knowing whether or not that was actually human-created human, human created or not. But even in the the scientific peer-reviewed article that they wrote, they had serious doubts about their own carbon-14 dating. Did they? Yeah. They said that there's a lot of sources of potential contamination. Yeah. They admitted to that. Yeah. And so they're not saying that there wasn't. It's just that that little side bit of, hey, this could be completely wrong... Has been forgotten it's by been the drowned. media, yeah. by Graham Hancock, by anybody who wants to latch onto the fact yeah. that they came up with these dates. Yeah. And for any true scientific research to be validated somebody else needs to go out there and 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 really kind of just do this study again and validate these results it does. but you know yeah. what in, in a lot of scientists like physics chemistry that is what people do especially mm-hmm. in physics and chemistry if somebody says i'm going to make this huge claim and i'm going to write a paper about this there are labs around the world jumping at the gun to replicate those results mm-hmm. because that's how that research gets ver- verified yeah but nobody ever verifies archaeological research.
2: It's a destructive it's, science. How well, can you, right? It, it's
1: either already been destroyed, like you said, and, and excavated. So yeah. it's like you got to take their word for it, and there's nothing left. Or, I mean, just it's hard enough to get funding for your own projects, let alone yeah. go out and get funding to go do somebody else's work all over again. Yeah, totally. You know, maybe some grad student will go out there and try to do this all over again and come up with different results. But, right. you know, it's, it's doubtful. Yeah, anyway, for sure. It's doubtful. We need to continue talking about this. So,
2: <laughs> wait, one more thing not to like th- completely throw them under the bus, but the, the journal that it was published in archeological perspective I definitely read that they are, there's a, another review going on now of this mm-hmm. article by either nature or somehow in, in combination with nature. So yeah. potentially there'll be a retraction or at least a critique of it published at some point. So that should be coming. And the question now is like, how did this even get through and get published? Because mm-hmm. the entire archeological community has been like, no, 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 Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, this is not, not yeah. real archaeological science. So anyway, we'll see how that goes and what shakes out from that.
1: All right. Well, we're going to forget about that and then go rewrite history in Central Europe. <laughs> Back in a minute.
0: You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss, and if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.
1: Welcome back to The Archaeology Show, episode 244, where we're rewriting pretty much everything we know about archaeology based (laughs) on three different articles. (laughs) and this next one is central europe this time so we're moving over a little bit nothing ever rewrites human history in the uh, americas which which is you know interesting that's
2: because we're we're babies over here i know
1: (laughs) so anyway there was apparently a highly complex prehistoric society that thrived in a region that was thought to be abandoned in 1600 bce Hmm. yeah so they, they people lived here and then it was abandoned and they were like, okay, nobody lives here anymore. But now they found evidence that people did live there. And that rewrites all of human history.
2: Well, yeah. at least that part of Europe, maybe. Yeah, well, definitely <laughs> this, that part of this Europe. This claim is a little bit smaller than the other the other claims right yeah
1: they are say they did say rewrites history they did yeah not human history not so I'll human. give them that credit. yeah so not yeah. all of it right
2: <laughs> potentially just a little bit of it
1: yeah this was actually reported as one of the major cultural centers of southern europe this area it apparently had regional scale influences across the continent and into the Mediterranean based on things that have been found here. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is all in what's called the Pannonian Basin. It's in modern day Hungary and has influences, again, from multiple nations across Central Europe. This whole area is kind of a crossroads, if Mm -hmm. you will.
2: There was a Bronze Age society there that was complex and influential, and they lasted centuries before abandoning quote unquote the area in sixteen hundred BCE and they did it somewhat suddenly apparently.
1: Right. Which is always garbage. Like why do yeah. people actually believe that? It's some somebody was doing research and excavating out there. Again, probably one person over the course of an academic career or something mm-hmm. was was in this area and I don't know, they, they have dates going up to, you know, or at least evidence going up to around 1600 BCE. And then for whatever reason, they, they haven't found anything else mm-hmm. that dates to after 1600 BCE. So then it's like, why was this abandoned? Now, places do experience a collapse, when some of the resources or maybe maybe they were all killed by a rival, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. You might um, have
2: evidence of something like that for you might sure. See that. Yeah. 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 But
1: then there are some places where you don't really have the evidence. Like Easter Island, for the longest time, nobody could figure out why they, A, built all these heads and then B, disappeared completely. Mm-hmm. And well, it's probably because they used up all their trees. Yeah. Right? But we don't really actually know that. If you want to you know? use
2: words like collapse and abandon, you have to have actual evidence to back up those things right. happening, like a fire or... Or a war, like you said. Yeah. But if you don't have the evidence, you have no evidence at all, you can't assume that that's what happened. Like the absence of evidence doesn't prove that that's what happened. It just means we haven't found it yet.
1: There's a great book that's actually full of garbage by Jared Diamond called Collapse. <laughs> he wrote Guns, Germs, and Steel, yeah. which is probably his most famous book that came out. But then yeah. after that, he wrote Collapse and it deals with the collapse of civilizations around the world, notably Easter Island, the quote unquote Maya collapse, which mm-hmm. is not a collapse. It's not a collapse, the, yeah. The uh, Roman Empire collapse, which mm-hmm. kind of was a collapse, but again, not really. But
2: not really, because the people aren't gone. They just,
1: No, and that's the yeah, whole point of all this is the people are generally still there, but maybe the political organization that was around them and the structure yeah. did collapse and change. Yeah. You you know, I mean, that, that does happen. And then therefore that, that really visual influence that they, they create all these big things and they do all this stuff. Maybe that died out a little bit, but the people are still like, yeah, I'm just going to yeah, keep eating maize. They're and, just living uh, their life. Yeah. You know, having that, uh, what was that chocolate drink they drink down there? Uh, or is that Peru.
2: In Peru, there yeah, is there's a couple... Know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, anyway, they're
1: having fun. <laughs> yeah. They're enjoying life. Yeah, they are. Yeah, I mean, and they like, live in Cancun for Christ's sake. <laughs> they're just partying it up.
2: I think I just struggle with the word collapse in general, in general because it, it does make it sound like, like all of a sudden, society ended, everybody died. But that's just like not... It's just so much more complicated than that. It's such a simplistic way to look at
1: what happened. Yeah. So, yeah. Part of this so-called abandonment of this area is... Supported a little bit by previous research, suggesting a regional scale collapse and an abrupt end of the dominance of the area, I guess, okay. culturally, mm-hmm. after decades of depopulation. Okay. Right? So so the fewer and fewer people, and then all of a sudden, it was just like unsustainable. Yeah. Right. So then the current current research, though, again-
2: Like we're just saying. still there. Yeah. Right?
1: Uh, suggests that they just kind of adapted to a new normal and intensified their long-distance networks and complexity, actually- but it almost sounds like what they were trying to say is people weren't necessarily coming through here anymore as this cultural center. They they went they were going out for whatever reason or slowed down and then these guys were just going out yeah. and branching out. So, yeah. so there's less evidence of other stuff, you know, in that high quantity being here and coming mm-hmm. here and, and showing these large scale influences because they were they were traveling out and trading trading in the distance. Yeah, so. which makes
2: sense because the the power you know it transitions all the time between places around the world like that's Mm -hmm. a common pattern so because it transitioned from one place to another doesn't mean that the all of a sudden it collapsed and people were gone
1: yeah yeah one of the lead authors on here says that they knew all along that societies in europe at this time were interacting on a a continental scale and that's one of the things jared diamond actually talks about in guns germs and steel is the rise of of europe and how it's kind of geologically based and how because of the nature of how it's situated it made it easy for people to interact with each other Mm -hmm. right and that's that's one thing that actually is true and they knew about material the researchers knew about material and symbols from the area uh, and that they were influential in europe they just didn't know uh, where it all came from Mm -hmm. uh, some of these other things and this changes that providing somewhat of a missing link Mm -hmm. right so when they started expanding out their network rather than having people come rather than people coming through here again They just didn't know where all that stuff came from. They've seen evidence of cultures from this area around, but they didn't really know where it came from. And now they've got evidence that it came from here.
2: Yeah. It was probably just like dispersed rather than concentrated in like one complex or something like that. Right.
1: Interestingly, they identified a hundred new prehistoric sites using Google Maps. mm. And uh, you know what? I love maps. And sometimes when we get into like a a travel (laughs) binge
2: and we're
1: planning... I'll just like look at some place and then I'll just zoom hey, in real close just, on the satellite and just kind of scroll around. Yeah,
2: you just kind of start scrolling and all of a sudden I'll be like, what are you doing over there? And yeah. you've like, you're like looking at the mountains nearby or something. I
1: know. <laughs> but you know, the. the crappy thing is is like i won't know if i'm seeing something that nobody else has seen
2: right unless you
1: do the research and you say oh and you have you know. the
2: map of all previously recorded sites and that kind of stuff in front you would, of you yeah, yeah. you need the
1: previous research yeah and exactly he, he, he was like oh this looks interesting but is it just something everybody knows about yeah. or, or something people don't know about just because there's a satellite image of it doesn't mean people know about it right yeah satellites yeah. are dumb they just yeah. take pictures yeah totally yeah
2: So the sites are in an area that encompasses 8,000 square kilometers, and the evidence says these small settlements spread out from former centers that were abandoned, and it's a shift from intensive to extensive settlement patterns. So intensive in one spot, as opposed to these smaller spots that are, there's more of them spread out around this area.
1: Yeah. They were harder to find up until now, uh, because... They're more flat settlements, so to speak, like literally mm-hmm. flat mm-hmm. Um, with ditches around them instead of ramparts, which are built up and more easily mm-hmm. identified using uh, other methods. So right,
2: you can't visually see them probably as easily from the ground, maybe not from
1: the ground and not yeah. even from like a lower altitude. Yeah, it takes yeah. that satellite imagery to really pull it out. Right. So the, the satellite imagery that they used to to find some of these sites initially, they, they backed up with random excavation. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, random like sampling, yeah. you know, on some right. of those. Mm-hmm. So. They also say that climate change in the region could explain some of this. They said it could be it could also be just what was happening and not necessarily a cause, but there was climate change happening.
2: Okay. Right? Yeah. So mm-hmm.
1: they might have just adapted and overcame, but it but it may not have had an influence on the growth or decline of the society one way or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you don't know. In most cases, we do now because we're aware of it, but we don't know that climate change is happening when it's happening, Right, even on a generational scale. You know, you might, you might think back and say, oh, grandpa said it was really warm here or really cold back in this time, mm-hmm. but I don't know. You're just not really aware of it. Yeah, totally. change is so big.
2: So what's really new is the way everything fits together to reveal a complex and well-organized society. And it seemed to downplay hierarchies, too. So just, like, totally different from what it was before mm-hmm. this time.
1: Yeah, the excavations there revealed that sites that were bigger than others and had management by a smaller group. So there were spaces that not everyone in the community could enter. So they were mm-hmm. saying there was just a, just a different sort of political organization, I guess, mm-hmm. than uh, than previously thought.
2: Oh, yeah. So, like, like government kind of spaces where yeah. not everybody's yeah. allowed to go, basically. Okay, yeah.
1: Yeah, and they noticed in burials too that there was not very many prestigious burial goods, and a lot of them were uh, really similar from that time. Oh, it was
2: communism.
1: Well, oh my god. Yeah, Yeah, they were all wearing gray, and they (laughs) had like bread. It was weird. Yeah. So Uh,
2: sure. Yeah, (laughs) Um,
1: They did conclude that there was a complex political order and not everyone was treated the same, but that this was downplayed and such divisions weren't that important. I'm interested to know how they actually know that. Yeah,
2: me too. Yeah, it wasn't
1: really explained very well.
2: Yeah. And I wonder if, so they found all these new sites by using the aerial images and then I'm I'm sure they were probably looking at previously recorded sites as well and kind of picking out the details from them. And when you do this kind of work, I think you have to be very careful to not just pick and choose what you want to see and what fits your hypothesis. Kind of like what we were talking about in the last article, although I am in no way comparing them because this seems like it's good science Mm -hmm. and it is really, truly helping fill in a picture in an area where we didn't have one before. However, you know, I just would, it would be interesting to, to know, like how much of what they were taking from these previously recorded sites and from the, uh, the new sites they found, like how much is actually fitting this image and how much kind of doesn't fit. And they sort of like set it over here (laughs) for later analysis. Maybe I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, now that we've rewritten the history of Europe, uh, or at least Central Europe, we're going to go down to Spain and challenge some archaeological assumptions. And, you know, they didn't say this in the article, but we're going to possibly see the 3,000-plus year-old history of the LGBTQ plus community back in a minute.
2: nice.
0: (laughs) Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Lifelock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated US-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let Lifelock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save twenty-five percent off your first year on Lifelock Ultimate Plus at Lifelock.com slash aware. Terms apply.
1: Welcome back to the Archaeology Show, where we are rewriting human history for episode two forty-four. <laughs> this yeah. is
2: kinda of, this article is kind of rewriting human history, more like bit. human assumptions of what... It's more like rewriting modern assumptions of what people were and weren't in the past based on... Which is, I feel, what
1: literally every article does. Yeah,
2: true. prevents presents new
1: (laughs) evidence and rewrites everything. Yeah. So So isn't
2: archaeology like always rewriting something? Always. Like every article? Yeah. Yeah. You (laughs) know, that's
1: the thing about archaeology is I think... Some of the people who are a little bit archaeology adjacent, like Graham Hancock, and try to say there's the archaeology Mm -hmm. mafia, and everything's rigid, and and we all believe this. It does seem that way. When you write a textbook that says, this, 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 and this happened in the archaeological record, you you never really say, maybe, could have, I think it did, you know, stuff like that. You just say, based on the evidence, this is what happened. And then we have no problem saying, when new evidence shows up, Okay, based on the evidence, now this happened. Now this
2: is what happened, yeah. Right. We just don't
1: have a problem doing that. But literally, the rest of the world does have a problem, because. They're used to things that are more hard sciences. Yeah. Like, you know, when the Large Hadron Collider finds a new particle, that's not, oh, maybe we found a new particle. Mm-hmm. No, that is a new particle. Yeah. And you can replicate that result.
2: And there's, there's examples of this in non-archaeological sciences, like... Pluto, I think, is a really good example. Yeah. Like, the public would not let go of Pluto being a planet, right? And it's because
1: most people grew up with Pluto You being grew a up planet. that way,
2: and you just did not want to stop saying that there were nine planets and Pluto was the smallest one, you know? And that is, you know, i Neil deGrasse pla- Tyson. Wait, it is a planet again, though, isn't it? I,
1: I don't know. Oh, it's God, not. I don't even know. I'm with Neil deGrasse Tyson, <laughs> though. He's the one that actually came out and said it's actually not a planet. Uh-huh. And the fact that it was even called a planet before was made by definitions that people assigned to the word planet. And all Uh astrophysicists did was they basically tightened up their definitions a little bit and Pluto no longer fit the the definition of a full-fledged planet. Exactly. You know, so it's just, it was an arbitrary designation to begin with. Yeah. You know?
2: I feel like that kind of stuff happens in archaeology all the time too, because a lot of times you're just making, you're just drawing conclusions based on what you have in front of you. And then you have new stuff in front of you and you have to change the conclusions, change the parameters sometimes. Like it just, that's just science. It is what it is. Graham. All right.
1: (laughs) Well, let's talk about a little bit of gender fluidity in Southwest Spain. So this was a 3000 year old funerary stone slab that was found. And again, it's challenging Uh, longstanding interpretations of gender and social roles in ancient societies and specifically around here because well first off the article says in ancient societies and I'm like all ancient societies or just like right here right because well,
2: yeah I mean you can only apply it to the the culture yeah. that this is found in specifically it's, but it's difficult
1: to apply it elsewhere I yeah, would say yeah, yeah. It, it should make you think if you're not already doing that yeah. about your assumptions in other places but you
2: definitely should yeah. and that's what gets archaeologists in trouble is when you right. again go in with an idea and don't think outside of your assumptions or the box or whatever so yeah
1: well these stone slabs are called stelae Generally, anything that's like a long, tall stone slab, mm-hmm. whether it's standing or laying down, it's called a stele. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really sure where that word comes from. I, I think don't it's, know the origin either. I think either, it's yeah. Latin, but I'm not really yeah. sure. Anyway, it's they're common in cultures all over the place, including Egypt and Central America. I mean, everybody's mm-hmm. taken long pieces of stone and carved on them. Would well, like really a
2: gravestone be considered a stele? Kind I mean, of? I guess
1: technically it like would be. Kind of, right? But since that has... More of a defined purpose. It does. We call them headstones or gravestones. Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah, so
2: Hmm.
1: there's also footstones too. Would those be stelae? I don't know.
2: Maybe. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know.
1: Anyway, often steles are gravestones, uh, as they say in the article. Mm -hmm. And they're usually decorated with engravings, text, and and often painted as well. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they depict important people. So there's an actual figure carved onto the stelae. Mm -hmm. This one was found in the burial complex of Las Cappellanus?
2: Capellanas? Yeah. Anyway, Cappellanus?
1: In, in Canaveral de Leon. Mm-hmm. That's what the uh, area is. And it includes an engraving of a human figure with a detailed face, hands, and feet.
2: Mm-hmm. And the person has a headdress, necklaces. Okay, great. Yeah. Maybe a lady, right? And also two swords. Right. What? <laughs> what is going on here?
1: <laughs> Ladies can't have swords.
2: Ladies can't have swords. Guys, <laughs> come on. <laughs> And it was found by Durham University archaeologist Dr. Marta Diaz-Guardamino.
1: Does that trigger you a little bit, Durham University?
2: Uh, no. <laughs> Durham is a place. Duke is a university that I hated. So, because I, I went hated to Chapel all Hill.
1: Universities in the triangle there that weren't no, Chapel Hill. We
2: did not honestly it's been so long since i was in college i don't have any hate (laughs) for anybody at this point so apparently we used to think that stele depicting the headdress and necklace would represent a female like i was just joking about yeah and then weapons of course would be assumed to be male but you know not always true right Mm -hmm. the figure on this stele has clear male genitalia so there you go not always true
1: and, and I was kind of making a joke about the whole LGBTQ plus yeah. thing, but you know, honestly, gender fluidity has, has probably been a thing for a long time in many, many cultures. Yeah, and people, we just have different terms for it these days and, and people identifying as something, or maybe even not even identifying as, as something other than what they were born mm-hmm. uh, or what their genitals say they should be. Yeah. But I think there was. in in a lot of cultures in the past, there was probably a lot less stigma around, you know, Women doing one thing, men doing another thing, a man wearing a headdress, for example, mm-hmm. you know, or, or you know, having some sort of female garments on or something like that. Maybe in some of these cultures, there just wasn't that that's that hard against line. You, yeah. You have to wear this and yeah. you have to wear that if you're a man or a woman. Yeah.
2: That hard you know? separation between what women did and what right. men did. That's definitely possible. I think another thing that's interesting, too, and I just heard a, a podcast about this, the roots of the trans, not the trans movement, but just trans people in history. Mm-hmm. And it goes back so much further than you would think it does. There are many people who have who were born and didn't feel like they belonged to the sex that they were born into and they chose to live their life in the in the opposite sex. So the story yeah. I heard was about a a person who was born a woman and lived their entire life as a man because that's how they felt. And that was 150 years ago that this article yeah. was talking about. So like, or maybe not quite that long, maybe hundred years ago. But either way, we know that that happened in the past and that very well could have been what this person was, you know, yeah. like maybe it's a, an early example of a trans man or like you're saying, maybe it's more of a less emphasis on what men could wear and what women could wear. So yeah. Who knows?
1: Who knows? All right. Well, with that, we're gonna go erase the entire back catalog of this podcast because we've rewritten. History. Oh, we just rewrote it. Yes. <laughs> so, we got two hundred and forty-three other episodes to re-record.
2: Does that mean yeah. we're gonna like rewrite it every time? And there's only ever gonna be one one episode of this every, podcast available. <laughs> every
1: episode of this podcast will be episode one.
2: <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well, that's what yeah. we do. We rewrite things.
1: Indeed. All right. Well, we're gonna. Rewrite ourselves out of this podcast (laughs) right now. So that was terrible. (laughs) That was awful. Okay, we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Archaeology Show. Feel free to comment and view the show notes on the website at www.arcpodnet.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Arcpodnet. Music for this show is called I Wish You Would Look from the band Sea Hero. Again, thanks for listening and have an awesome day.